Hello, and welcome to Can Architecture Fix This? A podcast where we explore challenging design questions through stories and conversations with expert guests. I'm your host, Rebecca Sheberg, coming to you from White Architecture Studio in Oslo, Norway. For new listeners, here's a quick recap. Our studio has gathered a number of articles from colleagues and outside collaborators featuring stories about designing where water is a primary concern. We published those stories in a book anthology entitled Out of the Blue. We're checking back in with some of those contributing authors now to hear their stories firsthand and see if anything has developed over the past two or so years. This week, we are asking, can architecture fix industrial boom and bust? We've invited Thomas Rees, who's an architect and a member of the Greenland Council of Cultural Heritage. Thomas wrote an article which chronicled the story about how the fishing industry quickly changed waterfront sites around Greenland that had previously been untouched, and how that industry just as quickly disappeared, leaving remnants of a community behind. These sites have since become a point of contention in the cultural heritage discussion. We hope you'll enjoy this story. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you, Rebecca. It's very nice to be talking to you. Before we get into the article you wrote for Out of the Blue, I wonder if you can introduce a little bit about yourself and what it's like to live in Greenland and have a practice in architecture in an environment that I think is very different to what most people are accustomed to. Yeah, you could say that <laughs> for sure. Uh, I was educated in Denmark where I grew up uh, and I was. Uh, master of architecture in 1996 mm-hmm. and moved to greenland in 99 yeah time flies for sure and it's uh, well it's pretty easy to make a business here uh we have a lot to do a lot of building is made and um well i've i've had no uh, spare time uh, okay it's always work Hmm. And it's nice. How is it to live here? Well, I think it's nice. It's a very, it's a huge land, you know, mm-hmm. a huge land mass with a very sparse population. Yeah. Uh, only about uh, 60,000 people uh, spread over a huge continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Nook, we are, well, 18,000 inhabitants. Mm-hmm. Um that's the main our capital city and um and by far the 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 greatest city in in greenland Mm -hmm. and that doesn't sound much but it's okay for us Mm -hmm. uh the nice thing is that we know each other Mm -hmm. uh when you go to the grocery store you meet people uh, face you see faces you know and uh and you you say hello to everybody Mm -hmm. and then you say, oh, that must be a tourist over there. I haven't seen him before. <laughs> uh-huh. They're easy to spot. Yes, easy to spot. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, before we get into the article, I would like to know, I, I'm not really a cultural heritage expert. I work more on kind of large scale uh, mm. vision planning. So um, for me and for any listeners who may not be as familiar with the term, what is cultural heritage and what are the themes in Greenland around cultural heritage that are important at the moment? Well, 
what is cultural heritage? It's the footprint of, footprints of man, actually. Mm. It's it's uh, it's man-made artifacts. That's cultural heritage. Yes. And uh, by definition, in our law, everything, every every trace from human activity uh, from before the twentieth century is a uh, de facto cultural heritage and is listed okay. uh, by preservation laws. Okay. Uh, so, so every trace of human activity uh, more than 100 years old is cultural heritage okay. um, for us mm-hmm. by the law. But what we do is to try to protect the most important parts and that would be parts that are not studied enough mm. that can bring new a new knowledge to mm. uh, to today mm-hmm. or it is uh, places and uh, activities that are have a great significance for for that period um, green has been uh, inhabited by several cultures during the years i think the first one was in about 4500 years ago mm-hmm. when people uh, walked over the ice to, uh, to greenland from from canada uh, and they stayed here for maybe well that's archaeology it's not architecture but i think maybe some some 400 years and then died out okay uh, the the population here, the Inuit population, uh, entered Greenland in about uh, 500 years ago. Mm. Uh, and just shortly after that, the, the Icelanders, the Europeans arrived mm. and mixed up. The story we're going to talk about today happens a few hundred years after that. Yes. Um, today we're asking the question, can architecture fix industrial boom and bust? and the implications that has for cultural heritage. Mm. Um, This has become a really sensitive design challenge, becoming all the more relevant as industry changes and sites that may have been in use for years find themselves abandoned. And many of these industrial sites have been built up around waterfronts and have in recent years either become prime real estate that developers want to build out or alternatively abandon ruins that can become public hazards if not properly cared for. You wrote an article entitled The Footprints of Fishermen that deals precisely with this topic. So could you share that story? Yes. Uh, around uh, 100 years ago, the Icelanders went fishing. And uh, that was not good for the Faroese fishermen because they were emptying the Icelandic waters at that time. So they had to, to find new places to fish. Uh, and the waters around the Faroe Islands were uh, well they were exploited by the german and dutch fishermen and the Faroese fishermen couldn't compete with them mm-hmm. so they asked the danish crown to to uh, where uh, could they possibly get an allowance to to go to to greenland and fish at the greenland coast and they were permitted that uh, and so they went here in the summer uh, summertime and went fishing for primarily cart and haddock. And uh, they had to build some f- uh, processing fati- facilities at the shore hmm. uh, to handle all the fish. Uh, they were primarily salted and dried. 
mm-hmm. and exported to Spain and Port- Portugal as bacalao. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that when that industry went on from about around 1925 to well up to 1980 when the cod disappeared because of changes in climate mm. uh, and they left some uh, some small ruins some some processing facilities uh, with uh, housing and uh, uh, factories uh, harbors harbor facilities um, around the the Greenland coast. Uh, I visit some of the places, maybe I visit 10 places. Uh, I, I missed two. I'll, I'll see them one day. Yeah. Um, and the uh, most important uh, facility was uh, uh, Nordafar uh, Fairinghaun. Uh, the uh, company was uh, created by Norwegian, Danish, and uh, Ferrari's uh, com- companies, Nordafar, mm-hmm. uh, from the, the, the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had quite a big uh, facility just south of Nuuk. Mm-hmm. And that was abandoned uh, in the 80s, and uh, one man stayed back to look for, for the buildings and facilities in case the cart would reappear in mm-hmm. the Greenlandic waters. Uh, but it didn't in time. Mm-hmm. So uh, the place was closed down uh, 20, 25, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. The buildings were reclaimed by nature, and uh, to see that process is very interesting because you learn about materials. The process will will uh, will show the building structures uh, from inside mm-hmm. uh, when the layers uh, peel off the buildings yes. and the constructions. That's so so interesting to see, and it was uh, nice to visit as a remembrance of uh, an industrial. Uh, ev- uh, evolution of Greenland. Mm. Uh, that was part of our history as well mm. as mm. Uh, part of the economic history of development of Greenland. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I like to visit those places. Yeah. I like to learn from them actually, and and try to to incorporate it uh, in my work as an architect. Mm-hmm. The knowledge you can get from there. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it was actually not. Greenlanders who were primarily running those industries. It was no. Norwegians, Danes, and the Faroese. Yes. How do Greenlanders feel about these sites around their coastlines? It's mixed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's mixed. Not everybody like me sees, uh, sees it like me, like, like some very important uh, memories of a, uh, of a history of a shaping of a nation. Mm. Yeah. And when we say clean up, just to be clear, we mean removing most of it. Burn it down. Burn yes. it down. Wow. <laughs> Remove it. Yes. Yeah. Completely. Okay. Uh, actually, there's there's this strange idea that you can bring it back uh, back to the state uh, it was before. Of course, that cannot happen because no. it, it took nature about uh, 2,000 years to, to, to shape that landscape and yes. to make that nature. Yes. And uh, the traces will be there as long as we can 
can uh, can be here. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, if you if you walk around in uh, in the fjords in in our nature, you'll see traces that, well, they, some of some of them are thousand years old. Some of them are just five hundred years old. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can still see them. Mm -hmm. Nature can't hide them. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, they'll be visible for for at least uh, some thousand years yes. ahead. When people touch a site, there's a different intention there, and you can see yes. that intention. It's not what nature yes. would do. Yes. yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a pity because I would rather than see the human nature remove those uh, memories. Rather see the nature itself do that. Mm. It will take uh, a longer time, and uh, it will be a more interesting process. Absolutely, and probably it wouldn't get to the point of removal. It would get to the point of uh, integration, re reclamation. Yes, it would integrate itself into yes, that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that can be a very beautiful process. Mm -hmm. Um, in your article, you allude to some skepticism about why the cleanup of Nordafar was ordered. Uh, the official reason was that the site was potentially dangerous because it was uh, in a state debris. of debris. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I felt like you suspected other reasons. Do you have any uh, ideas that you would share? Yes, just as I said before, like uh, it is not our uh, culture. It is not us, the Greenlanders, mm -hmm. who made it, the, the, made the structures, used the structures and, and uh, got the economical benefit of the uh, activities. Right. So that is foreign stuff. It has, has to be moved. Mm, yeah. I, think, I think that could be a reason. It is not, it is not outspoken officially, but I think it could be the reason. Because, you know, Debris in, in the water, we have it all over, but uh, it's not as, uh, as dangerous as ice. Yeah. And that we have a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, I mean, I do pass some, uh, some uh, boxes from the fishing fleet uh, now and then when I sail around, but it's, it's the ice I'm looking for. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually think uh, it would be worthwhile explaining a little bit about how people get around in Greenland, because it's not uh, traversable by road, most of it. I mean, yes, in Nuke, you guys have infrastructure, but to get to these different communities, how do you, how do you get there? By boat, of by course. Boat. Yeah. By boat. Uh, yeah. you, you can fly. Uh, it's quite expensive. Mm. Uh, very expensive, actually. Mm. Uh, so you have your own boats, and if you don't have a boat, uh, you you probably have a uh, a member of the family who has a boat and can yeah. bring you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're stuck. At the time of the article, you hadn't revisited the site at Nordafar since the cleanup. Um, Unfortunately, and you... not yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I must do it this summer. Okay. Okay. I didn't do it last year. Unfortunately, yeah. we didn't have the time. We just passed by. So we actually passed by two times, but uh, didn't have the time to go in and visit it. Mm. Um, you wrote in the article, I fear the worst, the sorrow for yet another memorial of human history destroyed, not by nature, but by the nature of men. And I think we've already talked about that, but that line was just very powerful to me of, yes, we 
we destroy and then we destroy what we've destroyed <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, I want to play devil's advocate here for a moment about cultural heritage. Um, there is a debate, of course, in cultural heritage, in architecture, and uh, what I work with in urban development about how much history do we save as we go forward and in what way do we save it? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people argue it can be enough to document things through photographs or through oral histories. And sometimes we wanna save it in a more physical manner. Um, how do you think we could best preserve sites like these that were connected to a particular industry that's no longer relevant and where the costs of maintaining these sites may burden the communities around them? You have to understand uh, this is another situation because we don't need that land. Mm. We don't need the place where these sites are. Mm. We can just leave them forever. Yeah. And we don't need it. Yeah. Uh, they are far away from, from our uh, present activities. Mm. Uh, so it's another story when, when you're looking at in European cities well, something in, is could be in the way for doing new activities, yeah. but that's not case here. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, here in Nook, where most building activities take place in Greenland nowadays, we do have sites, but not that many. And it's easy to protect, easy mm. to uh, to you can fence them in. Yeah. And say, okay, we can we can spare that. Yeah. There's no problem. So that's another situation than than you used to uh, to to take that discussion in. Absolutely. And uh, and I don't think I don't think we should preserve uh, for uh, for just to preserve it. Mm. I just think we, sh we there's no reason there's no reason to destroy it. Mm -hmm. uh, let it be there. And nowadays, well. Everybody has a camera, <laughs> so it will be documented for sure. Mm -hmm. And the the, uh, the decay of the uh, things will be documented as well. Uh, it's easy to, to reconstruct a timeline. Just take my 5,000 digital photos in my computer, yeah. and I can, I, I can trace the decay from year to year. Yeah. Um, so it will be docu documented. Uh, so... Some things should be preserved, I think. Uh, some, uh, my, in my case, my role is uh, to, to, to talk for the building, uh, the building, uh, the construction, the history of construction buildings uh, in the board, mm. uh, not the, well, other parts is the archaeological sites and that's not mm. my business. Mm. Um, and I think we should protect. We have some uh, 158 listed buildings uh, around the coast. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we should protect them and preserve them because they have a value. They have a story to tell us. Um, and that's not, that's no big deal. Yeah. Actually, it's not that expensive. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and they are not in the way for, for new activities right. with plenty of land. Right. Yes, I, I see. There's quite a few things in Greenland that are not the same as the rest of Europe. <laughs> yes. I, you know, many of these places I have visited, the, uh, many of these fish, fishermen's facilities, mm -hmm. uh, 
I don't know anybody else who have been there okay. and seen them. And when I go there with my friends, I say, what? Do we have things like that in our country? Uh-huh. Uh, we don't know them. So people just want them gone on the basis of them being foreign and not... The, 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 the main facility, the Nordafar, uh, mm. was known as mm. a tourist uh a uh, place for tourists to go and for the local population to go as well mm-hmm. and see because it was interesting it was big mm-hmm. so we knew about that but many of the other plots well they are not common known to to uh, the population nobody knows they're there mm-hmm. i'm quite happy to hear that because when when i read the article i was almost thinking well if nordafard was ordered cleaned up i guess the others are also but it's quite nice to know that they're there's still some places to visit and see those layers, as you see. Yes, but uh, those structures uh, is is uh, very often it is just uh, traces. It is footprints uh, in a space sense that uh, you see some stone formations. You see just maybe two pieces of wood that okay. might have uh, been part of a building structure. Back to the article when you were wrapping it up. You wrote that the fishing industry in Greenland waned in large part because there were just fewer fish around the coasts. And um, you alluded to at the end of the article that the fish may be coming back. Of course, not in time, but has anything happened in the last two years since writing the article? Where are the fish? Uh, the cut is coming back for sure. Okay. Uh, and the industry is growing. Uh, well, we, we live from the sea. Uh, the Greenland economy is based on shrimps and fish, halibut, and, uh, and in increasing numbers, uh, the cod. Mm. So it, it, it is coming back. The, the water is getting warmer and the cod is coming back. And as I wrote in the article, mackerel as well is coming. And that's an, a loop, prefers lukewarm waters, okay. uh, but is seen. It's not that big industry yet. But it will be, I'm sure. Okay. Is there a discussion about how the industry should come back to Greenland and how it will have a physical presence? Or is everything very changed now in the fishing industry? It is a very strong political debate uh, whether the whether we should allow the uh, processing of the fish on uh, on the ships, on the trawling uh, trawlers, very big, huge factories, actually sailing factories. Yes. Or we should demand that some of the fish is uh, is landed uh, to production facilities in shore mm-hmm. uh, to to uh, to give something to do for the labor force uh, yeah. in in the uh, smaller uh, smaller cities around the coast. Mm-hmm. So that's for debate for sure, uh, and. That will go on that debate because the uh, the industry sees some some very um, very big opportunities to process the fish while transporting it yes. to yeah. the export places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of landing it and then handling it on shore. Yeah. Uh, do you think then that architecture has a place in that conversation about if some of that needs to be brought to land, should it be in some of these places, as you said, that were safe havens and developed as processing facilities already? Or you think, uh, what do you think the future of architecture in this industry could be? 
national planning, I guess. Mm. Mm. Not not uh, not architecture as buildings, but architecture as planning. Yeah. Um, we do have a lot of settlements uh, with uh, with no 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 factories, no no work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, part of the national planning could be to 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 place those facilities in those places if you want the settlement to survive. Mm. Otherwise, you should make a national plan to to close down those settlements uh, not supported by industry or other activities. Yeah. So, but not. I don't see it as an architect. Actually, uh, when when I read those. Um, those words, can architecture fix that or fix this? Yes. <laughs> uh, I wanted to turn it upside down, actually. Uh, but that's the, t- that's, uh, the specific topic uh, of me looking at those, uh, that decay of the uh, former times uh, economical and industrial in- uh, facilities around the coast. Uh, and to, to look at the decay of buildings and say, can the study of the past maybe help us fix architecture? Mm-hmm. Because when I see a lot of uh, examples of uh, contemporary architecture, I think it has lost its roots. Yes. It has lost its connection to history. It has lost its connection to humanity. It's just... So maybe... We're in a situation where where those uh, those memories, those uh, those ruins, actually can help us fix architecture. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, the the way we were going to end this interview was to bring up the the question in architecture, <laughs> okay. but you've yeah. already perfectly answered that. So okay, yes, um, yeah. The idea was. Um, is there a way we can better design a booming industry from the beginning, or is there an approach to the cleanup of those abandoned industries that leaves us with a footprint that tells a story? But I think you, you've summarized that beautifully, that by, by letting that decay happen organically, we can learn some lessons that helps us anchor our, our future footprints better. Exactly. Hmm. Thomas Rees, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Nice meeting you. That's the story this week. Thank you all for listening. You can find out more about Thomas's studio on Facebook under the handle Architect Thomas Rees Ops. Can Architecture Fix This is produced by White Architected in Oslo. Ingrid Klevan is our production manager. She also composes our music. Sophia Benson is our managing director. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you have a minute, please give us a rating. That helps others find us. You can also find us on Instagram under the handle White Architecture Oslo or visit our website at www.whitearchitecture.com. Join us next time as we wrap up this first season of Can Architecture Fix This by speaking with Jenny Mackey about Oslo's Harbour Promenade project and ask the question, can architecture fix the water's edge? I'm Rebecca Sheberg, and this was Can Architecture Fix This from White Architecture.